I realized to myself, when I finished teaching, I had like joy and I had at the end of every day. Like I walked away going, man, I did something. And they, they all said, thank you. I'm your host, Chris Doe, and as always, my trusty sidekick is with me, Greg Gunn. Trusty sidekick. That is my that's my favorite way to describe a sidekick. What's <laughs> up, Chris? How's it going? I guess they have to be trusty, otherwise they wouldn't be your sidekick. Huh? They really should be. Yeah. But you can have a backstabbing sidekick, I think. Ouch. A duplicitous one. That's, that's not me. I'm no. very tame. Yes, you are. So what's going on in today's episode? Well, we're going to be talking to Daniel Scott, and I love Daniel for a lot of different reasons. If you guys are aware of our second YouTube channel, the Academy channel, Daniel's produced and written and edited some really great content for us, some tutorials on Illustrator and Photoshop. Go check those out right now if you haven't. It's It's got a, like over 100,000 views and he's, and I consider myself a, a veteran of Illustrator and I, I think I know everything. I watch that video, I don't know things. That's how good he is. Wow, that's, I, I don't think I've ever heard you say that. That's, that's pretty anybody. incredible. Okay, this stays between us. Yeah, edit this out. Fair enough. Something else that our audience should know about Daniel is that he's so transparent, open, and sharing. He actually created an app to show you how much money he makes, and you can tune in to see it in real time. I think that's really cool. And I'm blown away by that because I thought for a while we're the only people who openly talk about what it is to run a business, including our profit margin, our gross revenue, and how we lose jobs. But here's the guy who's gone the next step and developed software to show you exactly what he's doing. I love the energy that he brings in, his mission, his vision in trying to teach the world. And he's created platforms and tools for other instructors to do the exact same thing. So without further ado, this is Daniel Scott. Please enjoy. So Daniel, thank you for, very much for coming on the show. For everybody who doesn't know who you are, please introduce yourself. So yeah, I'm Daniel Scott. I am an online course creator and uh, co-founder of Instructor HQ. I'm hearing a little bit of an accent, Daniel. Where are you from? <laughs> yeah, I'm from New Zealand. Good for asking. Most people say Australian and then we can't be friends. Right. That's what I hear. So you can't mess up the Kiwis <laughs> with the Aussies, You got to ask, right? man. You got to check just in case. Now, can I ask you culturally, like, why is that a deal? Uh, I don't know. Anybody, like, it's Canadians versus Americans. It's... Uh, it's the Scottish versus the English. It's Australian versus New Zealand. It's nothing particular. It's just they're good at everything. <laughs> We're good at a few things. So we... <laughs> I, I okay. You guys are close in proximity and, and unfortunately are lumped together. And maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, we're like, we're no, very we similar. We're really similar. We just, we like yeah. to, we, we have a lot of friendly rivalry. Yes. And there's shared history, right? Like New yeah. Zealand yeah. was founded by Australians, right? Oh, geez. No. No. <laughs> no Tell way. me about it then. Uh, England founded us all. That's what happened. Right. Okay. I understand that. I guess I've been you, watching yeah, too much The Bounty or something. <laughs> <laughs> Australians didn't come and found us. Somebody Okay, did. okay. We'll probably edit that whole part out about how ignorant <laughs> I am about everything. Yeah. Okay. So for people who don't know, like what does it mean to be a content or course educator? Like the, the, even the term educator, can you give us a little bit more about what that means in, in just layman's terms? Yeah. So I guess you can tackle kind of e-learning online educator a few ways. My way is... I basically make courses online, video courses, and I help people kind of like how-to videos, basically. Uh, that's how I approach kind of content creation. I do a lot of stuff around it to support it. So a lot of kind of uh, stuff through social and things like that, but it's basically all drawing back to supplying people with courses that, yeah, they sign up and do. Now, if you're picking up the accent, the vibe and the energy, there's a good chance you already know who you are. I mean, Daniel's been on our show twice and you've authored a, a very popular video on these illustrator tips. And That's doing well, I, huh? I it is doing really well. I pretend like I'm an illustrator kind of expert in air quotes. And then you mentioned some things like, dang, I just, I didn't know you could use that tool in that way. Uh, and yeah. that was really cool. And I think people are having a similar discovery. 
So let me get back into your your history, your background, a little bit about what makes you tick. Like, why are you such a nerd when it comes to learning these things? And how did that come to be? I don't know. Like, what I've kind of worked out, I think, is I like I get I get my joys out of life of helping people and technology and that side of things. Like, I'm a I'm a I'm an okay creative, but I am like I enjoy the the technology part of it really, you know, a lot. And I really enjoy the helping people like, you know, I'm that guy in the office who when the printer jams to come get me, uh, you know, when Photoshop's uh, spitting out bad plates for your press, I'm the guy to come see. Like I, I really enjoyed that part of it. So I don't know. So I learned more about it and I keep learning more about it and I keep sharing. That's, that's kind of like what I like to doing. So, yeah. And when did you realize this? How old were you? Where were you? So I guess... I got thrown into kind of teaching kind of software stuff. I was in classes at university and like a lot of kind of uh, art schools, the, the training in terms of the, the hard skills of software was pretty poor. Like our instructors were lovely mm-hmm. and well, like the, the theory was amazing, but like a lot of those sorts of degrees, you end up with like very, very good theory, but not a lot of hard skills or practical software skills. So I started teaching myself in class and one of the teachers were trying to run the class. I ended up half running it. Then they said, how about you actually run it? And that was really weird. I was teaching the night class, like in my second year of university, I was teaching the night classes how to do it, you know? And you're like, so I got kind of asked to do it and I was like, yes. And I started doing it and I enjoyed it. And it kind of, I dabbled in and out of doing that, helping out teaching as well as kind of, you know, I assumed I was going to be a graphic designer and I did that for a long time and it slowly but surely realized that actually I enjoyed the helping other people do amazing stuff than to actually do amazing stuff myself. Mm. So I'm thinking then you're like 19, 20 years old, you're second year in university. Is that about right? Or are you some kind yeah. of child prodigy? No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, so you're picking up the software and everybody, uh, the teacher recognizes this, that you actually know better, you know more and you can learn this faster. And it does happen that this is the case because not everybody grew up with computers or the internet. And so the generation that grows up on the tools, it's second nature. It's like walking, breathing and everything else, right? So there you are, you emerge and you find like, I have this skill. And does the, the, the path back to teaching take a pause while you're exploring your design career? Are these yeah. two things happening si- simultaneously? No, I kind of, I was 80% designer, 20% helping out night schools. Uh, somebody got stuck somewhere. I ended up lecturing for a little while, but it was just a, please go do it. I kind of did it still on my path to being a creative. And yeah, it was uh, just bits and pieces. And I guess I just realized in myself eventually that the, I don't know, I kind of got to a point where I was doing lots of freelance work that allowed me to do the training stuff as well. So I could kind of do a bit of that job, bit of that job. And I don't know, I, I felt like I got to explore a lot of the agency work that felt like the, the mecca, the kind of place to be were, you know, and I didn't like it. Like it wasn't for me. I felt like I would be a really good middleweight designer, but that next level was not the kind of stress that I, like, I felt like that was a different job, like being, a, mm. you know, being in charge of an agency as you know, is a bit is a lot different than being handed a job and doing a job. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. But I felt like, I don't know, stuck in that middle bit. I realized to myself, when I finished teaching, I had like joy and I had at the end of every day, like I walked away going, mm. man, I did something. And they, they all said, thank you. Or as a designer, I don't know, I felt like you might get, a, you get thrown bones from your creative director, but it's, it's not a daily thing, definitely. And it's more often than not, uh, the stress didn't, didn't, that didn't balance out for me. Yeah. So when you finish teaching every day, you get a thank you. And sometimes with client work, you get a four-letter word and a three-letter word, but not always <laughs> the right <laughs> words you want to hear, right? Exactly. Sometimes the work that you do for clients is totally unappreciated. And, and that this is a stressful thing to go through. And I, so, I so never was part of, of that, right? I was, mm-hmm. I was funneled through my creative director, you know, all the time. So he would go high five and then come back with some changes. And I know he would be like, or she would be like, oh, you know, blah, 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 we want these changes. But really what you're thinking is they hated it. <laughs> like that pitch went real bad. <laughs> and that's my fault. Well, you had a good creative director then to shield yeah. you from that. Because sometimes I would go back like, you know what? This thing did not go well. Let me tell you how it went down. 
Well, I was like, I just want them to feel a little bit of the pain when they do yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, share it. Yeah. You know, just like share a little bit of it. I'm a sharing <laughs> kind of guy. All right. So when you're making this decision to yourself, like I'm enjoying this way more and enjoying this okay. And there's the next level I'm not sure I want to get into. Was this like a hard decision for you? Because people struggle with finding out what they're good at all the time. And I think a lot of it is because they're stuck with an idea of what they're supposed to be in life instead of pursuing what life tells them to be. Yeah, I was lucky that I got thrown in, you know, like my, the lecturer in my university said he could probably teach this class. And I was lucky that that happened because, you know, like everybody, I, I'm really confident in front of the camera now, but like everyone, I stuttered and stumbled my way through high school with speeches and stuff. And like, that was the worst thing in the world, like days leading up, feeling sick. And I don't know, I got thrown into it and did it enough, committed to a time, did it. And by the end of it, I actually enjoyed it. So I don't know, I got forced into that checking it out, which I feel is like super lucky because I figured out I like it. I'd never put my hand up to do it because who does that? I want to I do public speaking. I feel like people kind of wander their way into it rather than going, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Maybe for some people, but I felt lucky that way. Very few people actually ever want to sign up for public speaking. It's like next to death. It's like right there. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. So you had somebody who spotted your talent and your skill and invited you in, right? Did yeah. I hear that right? Yep, okay. that's right. So if if you're a young person and somebody doesn't exist in your world that can do that for you, how can they find that thing about themselves too? Do you have any tips for them? Like looking back, like you're like, oh, you know, I should have spotted those signs. I find for myself, I, maybe I've always done it. I don't know. I've done it for a long time. Is kind of the beginning of the year, I have a little look back, you know, and kind of try to look at the things that happened and, and try and pick out little bits that were good. And it's only at that stage that I go, actually, I enjoyed that because in the middle of it, it was hard and was scary and took a lot of work. And it wasn't until you're like, actually, I would do that again. So I like, I guess it's just seeing what's happened to you and what's going on around you. But taking, I don't know when it is, maybe it's your birthday. Maybe I do use, I use New Year because in New Zealand, it's summertime. It's party time because uh, it's the middle of summer but yeah that's my I take a I take a day and just kind of write down everything and go through it all and it's served me well for kind of going actually I don't want to do that I thought I did let's not do that anymore otherwise you stumble mm. into the next year doing the same thing again and I've yeah I've, I've been quite meaningful that way let me ask you a couple of questions here are do you have any kind of professional teaching certificates are you certified in any which way as an instructor? I am. Yep. I have Adobe certified uh, instructor status for pretty much all the software. Yep. That's what I've got. But no, yeah, no formal teaching education other than being thrown in early. And was it difficult to achieve the certification? And what does that mean for you? And does it mean something to other people too? No. Uh, for me, early on in my career, so before I started teaching online, I taught live classes and that was a requirement to teach at a Adobe Certified Training Center, you have to be certified. I've kept my certification going for the only fact is Adobe makes me keep it because I own a certified training center in New Zealand, more the live stuff, and I can't have that center certified without me being, and the instructors being certified. But people do come to me a lot and say, hey, I want to get this. And it's, it's fine, you can do it, but you'd have to probably make sure that it's going to be recognized in your company. But generally, I don't know about you, but I've done, I've hired designers before and portfolio is the only thing I want to know about. I don't care right. about much else. You know, I want to know what you did, not what, what bits of paper you got. And how hard is it for you to gain your certification? It's pretty hard. Uh, mm -hmm. Initially, you've got to go into a place, do a test, for people that want to do like Adobe certification, there's three levels. The Adobe Associate is probably what most people want, and that's easier. That's with somebody with some good, you know, people are grinding on it every day. They can probably pass that exam. Um, and then you get Adobe Certified Expert, which is what I need to be an instructor. That is no fun. That is real crazy tricks in the test to try and work out. Do you like stuff that you'd never use? Like, you know, in some parts you're talking about Photoshop for filmmaking, and then it's Photoshop for... I don't know, like uh, separations in print. So unless you've got a really good broad skills, I have to do it twice basically to get it because I need to do it once to fail, to realize what this year the exam actually has in it. So if you are thinking, mm -hmm. I'm going to go do it, the expert one, go do, bank on doing it twice. 
First one, like I'm hardcore. I know loads and I often still have to do it twice. I see. Can you give us an example of like one of the questions where like, well, who would want to know this? And how is it like in terms of separation, separating for print? Yeah. Is it like they give you a file and they're like, okay, prepare this for XYZ press? It, you have to actually give them the, like they'll do weird things. Like I don't, I don't value the exam very much. I hope Adobe's not listening, but they give you multi-choice. And what they'll do is, you know, say you want a proof for CMYK. Where do you go? Is it window, uh, view, separations thing? Or is it under edit, color mode? And like this, it's the right name, but they've hidden it. So you know yourself, you go up there, even me, I'm like, I'm pro trainer. I'm like, is it edit? No image. You know, you kind of like slide over them till you see it, but they want right. to know exactly where it is. So I find that plus things like they'll dive into weird file formats that nobody uses anymore or they really want mm. you to use, you know, like you have to be using this DSB file and you're like, who uses a DSB file? What does a DSB file even mean? I know because of the exams, but like if you're just a good, you know, pretty amazing Photoshop <laughs> user or InDesign user, ooh, she's tough. So is it an open laptop computer exam where you can actually look it up like there? Yeah, that's nah, where you got to go into. So the initial exam, yeah, you got to go into a testing lab, a Prometric, I think, do it. And they sit you down in a booth. They take everything out of your pockets. It's hardcore. Then the oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to go in there, like hand over your phone, hand over your, hand over your watch because of smart watches now. Like they'll, they'll take everything. And right. uh, so you're sitting there in your underwear doing the exam and... <laughs> Uh, but once I'm you visualizing get, that right now, by the way. <laughs> but once you get the exam, uh, certification, you can put that effort into it. And then afterwards, you can do, uh, it's an open book online at home. And you can be in your underpants just at your own house. So okay. once you've so got it, the update is you can just Google it. But they want to yeah, know you can do it I first see. and then top you up with uh, what's in the new version stuff. I see. So that's why you know, is that one of the reasons why you know all the little nooks and crannies and weird spots that people aren't looking into? Nah, that stuff goes in and out because it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just not like, I'm like everyone, like I only know it loads because I teach it loads. So, yeah. you know, I like it and I enjoy knowing the weird bits and I love mm. nudging somebody and say, you know, I can show you this way to like save an hour of your life. And, right. you know, I love knowing that, but no, I'm not going to just learn it because it's in there. I, I want to know it has a purpose. And like, there's 10 ways of doing stuff. I'm yeah. the curator of doing it ways that, you know, doing it a certain way. That's, I've, that's my special power anyway, I think. So do you find the 10 ways to do it and then say, you know, based on real world experience, these are only two ways you really need to learn? That's it. So it's, it's handy yeah. being a... You know, there are Photoshop experts who are quite technicians, but I'm, it's really handy that I'm actually doing creative stuff. So I'm like, yeah. I'm always like, hmm, that thing I thought, you know, in the last version of the class was real good. I found this other way because I'm actually doing it and using it. So no, nah, I don't want to know. Yeah, I want to go through them all, but then I want to try them all. There are a lot of people out there who teach how to use tools. And I think you do it better than most. What makes you so unique? What's your take on Daniel? Uh, I think doing it for a long time is probably the, the best part of it. Like I know some amazing instructors who are as good as or better than me. Where I feel my values come from is probably flowing the course in terms of introducing bits at different times, seeing the course for being, uh, uh, for being 50 videos rather than trying to get everything's about masking in, in this one video We'll, we'll do a little bit here and I feel like later on we can do this bit and this bit and coming back and forth over that loop to figure out the best order. It's just kind of moving things around. I feel like that seems to do really well for the classes is just where to introduce it. Not so much how it's delivered or it's just kind of how and when it's introduced. The kind of pacing, I guess, is probably. If I'm getting started and I think, you know, education is something I would really like to get into do you have any tips for me in terms of how do I, what are the first steps that uh, people always get stuck on? What are the first two or three steps I need to do to see if this is right for me? So stick to online video. Like there's lots of other ways of doing it, but man, it's booming at the moment in terms of online video style things, you know, and because uh, you can put amazing amount of effort into it and have it, you know, do that one class and have it around for years. Um, but in terms of getting started, it's probably making sure you get the right topic to start with because you need an early win. 
you need two things. You need to make sure it's going to be profitable. If this is something that you want to do to, for a living, sure, it needs to be profitable and you probably need to keep it short. Those are the two things. You want it to be a win. You want to go, yep, I am actually earning some cash from it so I can I can feel like I'm use my spare time for the second course because that's what you want to get to. Um, but you also need to make sure it's, because it doesn't matter how profitable it is if you never finish it. So keep it like nice and short, five to 10 videos. That's kind of, and I'm doing like five to 10 minute per video. That's kind of what I'm doing. That's my kind of strategy anyway, but short, mm-hmm. profitable. Self-publish or publish on somebody else's platform? Both, both. Uh, yeah, there's there's kind of a, It's some people are one or the other. I am like definitely do on your boat. Like I earn maybe two thirds of my income from other marketplaces like Udemy and Skillshare. And I earn a third from my own. And it's just nice to be on lots of places. And the weird thing most people don't know is it doesn't have to be exclusive. It's weird. So when you are filming, don't talk about the platform or talk about your side. Try and keep it very generic uh, so that you can. Like I've got my courses on Stack Skills, Cyber U, you know, uh, skill wise, like probably about 25 sites. And two of them pay out most. And the other ones collectively bring in a, a little bit themselves and my own site. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have to make them any bit different for these 20 sites or no? No, there's, I did some stuff for Fiverr recently, Fiverr Learn. Mm-hmm. They've just kind of released their own thing. They wanted some unique stuff. So I did some changes for them, but the core's still the same. It's amazing how many people don't know. You can just, just, you know, as long as check out my intros, if anybody's interested, I just make sure they're non-platform specific either my own site or their site. So you're welcoming them to them. It gets a little awkward when you download the exercise files. You're like, hey, uh, there'll be a link on the page to download. And And there always is. There's a link on the page. They're going to go find it. (laughs) Somewhere something will exist. And if you're smart enough, you'll figure it out. That's your call to action. That's it. Because yeah. they're very different on each platform, right? Yeah. I also have my own yeah. like hosted one on Instructor HQ, which just has a like a, a bulk page where anybody can go to from any platform and just download it. Mm. Keeps everybody happy. Okay, so I would love to get transition into the business side of things a little bit. You mentioned earlier that you have an like an in person training space to teach people. Uh, how big is that space? How many people run it? Or what's the size of students that you can take on? Yeah, so it's uh it's based in new zealand and it is a room we take on 12 at a time it's kind of it takes 15 yeah about 12 is 12 is all we can take on at once there is a bunch of instructors running the different classes um there is a ceo over there who I, i started it did all the courses did everything was moving from new zealand to ireland so slowly backed my way out by hiring around me so it's a small business like the turnover is not huge but it it's fully managed and it leaves me a bit of profit at the end of every year um but yeah that's that's that one so this is something that you ran for some time until you figured out like i'm going to design my replacement and then somebody else is going to run it and you trust them to deal with all that day-to-day yeah i do nothing anymore i I don't even know what classes are running like it's pretty amazing margaret in new zealand just runs the show and i come up with a schedule and of what classes should run i got a my kind of uh, spidey senses for uh, what got cancelled and what is popular and what's new coming out in the industry and basically that's that's kind of my role done then i've got um instructors delivering the content and yeah wow so it's it's pretty much run by your ceo i think you mentioned her name is margaret and she just runs marketing uh, enrollment customers service all that kind of stuff that's it. Okay. She does it all and um, supports the instructors and the instructors know what they're doing. And basically they they operate, they don't need a lot of support. They're, they're professionals and they kind of basically do, yeah, run the day by themselves. They're, they're able to do mm-hmm. that. So that runs and it's cool. And it's what got me going from doing other people's stuff to doing my own stuff. And before I kind of transitioned into the online world. How long did you run that company before you're able to transition out of it? So maybe maybe after about a year and a half, I started looking for instructors to take that away. Then I ran it as the kind of uh, you know uh, CEO for maybe another year and a half before I got help, and it was kind of more just you know like a, a second in command, and then and then I realized she's better than me. Like I love doing the education part, but I don't like 
managing a business. Like I love building mm. the systems, but not delivering the system where she loves it. She she gets taught, you know, you give her a kind of a structure and she will make it run super smooth. Is she a teacher too? Nope. Nope. Like uh, a, like she's in the creative industry. Or? She was a she's a typographer. So well, reti- okay. yeah, retired from typography and kind of runs that now. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Greg Gunn from The Future here. That's right, it's me again. Now, The Future's mission is to teach 1 billion creatives how to make money doing what they love without feeling gross about it. Now, maybe you're in school, but you feel like you're not getting what you need. Or maybe you're like me and sold all of your internal organs to pay for private art school tuition. But you know, it's been a while and you wanna sharpen up some of those skills. Well, fortunately for you, we have a bunch of courses and products designed specifically to help you become a smarter and more versatile creative. Design courses like typography, logo design, and color for creatives go deep into the design fundamentals that you need to know and command in order to be successful. Check out all of our courses and products about learning design by visiting thefuture.com design. Welcome back to our conversation with Daniel Scott. I think you're pretty transparent about things. And if I recall from our last conversation, do you mind if we talk a little bit about the business and the numbers? Yeah, okay. yeah, I love talking numbers. So I know there's another business here, so I just want to get clarity on the first business. So you you basically did this for about three or so years and then before you're able to transition out. First of all, congratulations. That's wonderful. And I'm sure people are listening like, oh, my God, how, how was this possible so fast? And, well, once you meet Daniel, you'll know why. Okay, so let's get into this part. How much gross revenue is that bringing you on an annual basis? So for me, leftover for after everything's paid, it's between 60. So actually, let's do US dollars. Let's do 45 to 70,000 US dollars a year. So not enough mm-hmm. to live on. Well, it depends. Mm-hmm. It, lots of people can live on it, but it right. was like I was earning kind of 200,000 when I was doing it all myself right. and that was lovely yes. and that was amazing times and I don't know what I did with the money but <laughs> I, but by the time I hired around me thinking the business will keep up with growth it just didn't it's uh you you know like it's a very it's a fixed location so yes. uh, it didn't I grew a little bit I grew like everyone does like 10% and yes but I took on like you know 200% costs so right right I'm happy though that the beautiful thing about it is that it is self running like it is so yeah. amazing that the people there just make it happen they've they've got responsibility and they they take it seriously I love it That's awesome because it's basically at this point taking very little mental capacity for you to let it run its course right so you put in three years of really good work uh, you you spent all the money on drugs and fast cars that's it that's exactly what i did yeah (laughs) now you're you're kind of more mature you're like sober (laughs) nappies and nappies and formula yeah Yeah. right right so now the money's coming in like you said in, in in for some people that's a tremendous amount of money but it's not yet enough for you to like sit on your yacht and just be like okay it's cool yeah exactly yeah it's uh let's, let's move it to the other side yeah, it was it was hard to take that big cut, like go from yeah. two hundred grand to forty five some years. Like it's yeah. been going for a few years now, um, on an autopilot. So about f- three or four now. So it's it's and it's yeah, it, it it's really consistent. It depends on how much I want to blow on new initiatives, depending on whether yes. I get the you know the sixty five or the forty five. So now there, then there's a gap here, obviously, uh, and and now you have mental space to do other things and. You're doing the online courses, and this is kind of this is your thing now, right? Yeah, yep. And and then let's talk about this business now. So explain to everybody, like, okay, I got, I understand the first business now. What's the second business here? What does that look like? The second or the third one? So the online course stuff or the <laughs> instructor HQ thing? What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, there's two. Okay, let's go one business at a time. Let's go number yeah. two first. Okay, so basically transition that that kind of knowledge into online courses. So. Same sort of thing, same making courseware, but delivering it through 
online videos. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the last three years, nearly four now. And yeah, so that's 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 kind of where that went. So same but different delivery method. So you use the learnings from teaching in person, transition it to like, okay, how, how are we going to deal with this in video format? Because now you can't talk to people. Yeah, well, it was kind of a, it was less strategic. It was kind of, all right, I'm going to go to Ireland. So I'm from New Zealand. That's where the business was. I married an Mm -hmm. Irish girl, uh, Mm -hmm. decided that at that stage, kind of three or four years ago to come to Ireland. And I was like, all right, I know how to do the whole in-classroom thing. I'm going to, I'm going to start that in Ireland. The exact same thing in New Zealand. I I know how that works. And everyone keeps telling me to go online. So I'm going to start that at the same time and race them. I literally was like, all right, I'm going to just start both of them and see if they maybe I need both of them mm-hmm. or maybe uh, one will just do well better than the other. I, and I was like, all right, let's just try both. Mm-hmm. And I closed down the Irish one pretty quick because the online one <laughs> went bananas. Yeah. How, how long was that? How long did the race last? Uh, probably, oh, it was a year and a half. So it wasn't, wasn't, you okay. know, it wasn't. It's a good time. Yeah. It wasn't it instantaneous. took us time, but like, yeah. 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 I wrapped it up. What were the factors leading into like saying one was the clear victor and just mainly like effort versus reward. Like I would put yeah. in, I would deliver a course. I put, it, put together the material for say an InDesign course or an After Effects course and put it in the material and I deliver it in person. And I was getting like, I don't know, 700 euros, maybe 800 US dollars a day. And that was cool. But I'd get, uh, you know, classes went running every day and a lot of exhaustion, you know, and then I would put in the same amount of effort into an online course and it would be earning $50 a day. And after a year and a half, those $50 start adding up and they start happening every day. And then you realize, huh, I can do another course and compound that and then I can compound it. And as soon as I kind of worked out that I had a, a few other courses to make and that it's so exhausting doing the live stuff and it's so nice doing the video stuff like work from home uh, I spend time with my kids. I put effort in, but it's, I don't you know, I walk across into the, into my workshop rather than driving all the way around Ireland to kind of deliver classes. Mm. Okay. This is making a lot of sense. Uh, let's lean into this. Daniel is working from home. The commute is gone. He's making passive income on both businesses at this point, because once you build it, there's, intellectual property it's getting you residual income and at first you look like 50 euro to 700 that's a big gap and so your idea was just volume let's get it up there and then eventually you're making money while you sleep while you eat on the weekends when you're playing yeah and i just want to point out to everybody since they can't really see us you're calling in from your house in Ireland, and I'm calling in from my house in the (laughs) palisades in santa monica you know living the dream pretty cool Right. We are living the dream and we have pretty awesome setups. And here's another thing is when you work from home, you can make a pretty significant capital investment in equipment and lighting and microphones and all that stuff. And it's in your house. You don't have to everything do through double. the business, man. Tax, tax, so good. tax free tech toys. It's, it's cool. Now, how much is business number two generating for you in gross revenue? So that's the it's it's kind of consistently now over a hundred thousand a month U.S. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It's doing That's well. great, man. And are you editing your own videos or do you have a whole team behind you? Yeah, I'm starting to kind of, I've built that out. So I have Jason, my editor, Taylor does kind mm-hmm. of editorial kind of review. And then, yeah, I only do the recording now. So I do, mm-hmm. I build the courseware, I do the recording. And then that's kind of where my job ends. I've kind of worked out processes for, and the other stuff and i've just got amazing people that help with the you know help getting it out to the different places yeah. and distribution and editing and review and it's yeah so i i kind of focus on what i enjoy and let them do what they enjoy and are you constantly writing and producing new courses all the time was up until recently now i'm kind of well kind of i'm putting a lot of effort into instructor hq that kind of third thing so i kind of going half yeah but not half and half i'm doing I, I can't do half and half like half online courses and half instructor hq i need to do blocks of time so at the moment i'm in instructor hq mode um until the end of the year and then um jump back into some course making and then do the same thing again there's the only way i can do it okay as you can tell now we're going to shift into daniel's third business and this is incredible 
And I want to point out to everybody that's listening that he's he has the mental space to do stuff because he's really good at developing systems and also pulling himself out of doing all the work. And this is something young entrepreneurs do not figure out. They need to get their hands in every single part. In the first business, in your online, uh, your in-class, in-person training, what what is that called, by the way? Bring your own laptop. School? Bring your own laptop. Okay, so bring your own laptop is the, the, the school that's in New Zealand that takes about 12 to 15 students that's generating about forty-five to seventy thousand-ish dollars for you in passive income. That frees him up. He goes to Ireland. He tries it again, and this time he validates the business model. It's actually better online. He's doing his thing. He scales, and then he's then getting developing a process and getting other people to help make it so that he is only doing the most absolute vital thing, which is conceptualizing the course, making plans, recording, and then somebody else, a whole team of people, take care of everything else. Now. What's that business called? Is it also called laptop learning? Bring your own laptop. Yeah. Yeah. It's got laptop. the same name. Sorry. I'm going to yep. pivot the, well, I'm going to change the name in New Zealand out because it is causing some confusion yeah. with yeah. all the online stuff. So there was a, probably a bad, uh, it happened. So I'll, I'll switch yeah, up yeah. the smaller business to the, um, to a newer name. I see. And then the third business called Instructor HQ. Now, is this your learning platform? That's it. Okay. Tell us about this. Where did this come from? Yeah, so basically it's a platform for hosting courses. So I built it my, so there's Teachable or Thinkific, those are places you can, are platforms that are, you know, they would be competitive. So that was an option to me when I was making my courses. And I'm a, I don't know if it was like, I didn't find what I needed there or I just like building it myself. So I built mm. a hacky, hokey version. With, so I'm not very good. I'm a okay front-end designer-ish but in terms of development, I use plugins and CMSs, and I made this hokey version of my own kind of delivery system, took payments, delivered videos, and it kind of worked, and I proved it worked, and then I got hacked a million times, so I got somebody to, once I kind of knew what I wanted, I hired a developer to build it out in, like, properly, <laughs> so it looked good and worked good, and I was just using it for myself, and then one day I was like, uh... A few people are like, how, you know, can I use it? And you're like, well, no, it doesn't, doesn't exist really. It's kind of just a big lump of code. And so a few people asked and it kind of sparked the idea of like, yeah, it's really good. I, you know, why aren't, mm. you know, I could, I could spin this out as and the other people use it the same way I use it, you know? And so it's, I guess it's not better than the other platforms. It's just my way that I think it should be done. And uh, so yeah, that's how it, how it came to be. Is there something that you do with your platform that it's one thing that's different or better than the other ones? Yeah, um, ours is a big chunk of it is the education. Like I'm a teacher, so uh, I I guess most most of our subscribers are in the I need help handholding stage. So a lot of them actually aren't mm -hmm. using the platform yet. They're just using the service that you get as part of it. That is that we meet once a week in a webinar and there's, mm. you know, it, there's, there's like, there's a million more people who want to make a course, which is good for the business. And I like showing them how to do it and like do it right and how to make money from it. So that most of the people in our kind of pipe for that business are in that phase. Um, and the other bit is so many of the other places try to keep your content on their platform. Udemy wants you on Udemy, Skillshare wants to be on Skillshare, Teachable wants you to be on Teachable. Whereas Instructor HQ, we want you to be everywhere because I know you're going to make 10 bucks from there, $1 from there, $7 from there, and it's going to add up. And that's what mm -hmm. the platform does. It's got a dashboard, connects all that together, makes it easy for okay. people that are new just to get out and around rather than trying to try and do well in one place. Right. So those are two unique things. One is they get access to you. So you do these weekly calls just yep. to help other teachers teach, right? Yep. And then the other thing is you accept the fact because you do it yourself. You're going to be on multiple platforms. Yeah. So why not we just accept it and not, not hide around it? And yeah. Just you're going to earn the least the from your account. own platform in my experience. So like, I don't want to lie to them and say, yeah, come to Instructor HQ and this is the only place you need to be. I want to mm -hmm. say, go to Instructor HQ because you need to own your own place, but you're probably going to, your early wins are going to be on other platform, other marketplaces. And we'll show you how mm -hmm. to get those early wins. Why do you think that your own platform is not performing as well as the top two platforms? What do they do differently uh, that you think is driving more sales for you? So they've, they've got an audience. Like I, I'm building my audience, like a couple of subscribers on YouTube at a time. And that's my main mm -hmm. delivery to my place. Whereas they come pre-packed with students. So if you're new and you got to build your own audience and you don't have one yet, 
then it's hard work and it takes time and it takes like, I'm at 1500 subscribers now, which is amazing. But, mm. you know, the first hundred took a year, you know, like that, that was, yeah. you know, that took a long time. Whereas now they, they're, there are you know, loads more coming in. Whereas if you've got a course and you release it on Skillshare or Udemy today, right now, you will probably have a sale right now today. Whereas your own platform, you know, it takes, takes, takes a lot more time. So if people want to check you out on YouTube, your YouTube channel, what is it? Is it bring your own laptop or is it Daniel Scott? I am slash instructor HQ for the kind of teacher oh. stuff. But if you want to do the Adobe stuff, I am slash uh, bring your own laptop. So you're, you've got two YouTube channels. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's okay. I, we, that was a big discussion. Like, because I could, I just yeah. want to jump on my subscribers, you know, from bringing a laptop to start start talking about being an instructor. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. I had to make a decision whether we mix that content up or separate it. Like, that's what you've got. You guys have got the academy thing. Yes. Like, it must have been a big decision <laughs> as well because you've got the booming um, subscribers on one, and mm. you can just instantly start adding value to that. So I, I battled with that one myself. We battled with it, and we probably still continue to battle with it. It's <laughs> tough. You, the people who subscribe to one channel don't necessarily want the content from the other channel. It made it really hard because we cover such broad and diverse topics. Yeah. We're actually funneling some of uh, the traffic to my own personal channel because there's things I talk about that may not be appropriate for the main channel. So it's all about three channels. Right? That's it's a terrible idea. <laughs> it's too much work. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Who would do that? And there we are. Pay off in the channel. long run. That's the long game, buddy. That's I think what it is. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay. All right. So tell me, tell me about this program that you have called the Instructor Bootcamp. What is it, and what are you trying to do with it? Basically, it's kind of for people who may be professionals in their field, um, but don't really know how to make an online course. Like it's it's simple once you know. But so I take people through either the video version or the live version. Some people like the uh, the meeting once a week, setting homework, which I do. Um, and yeah, we just work through the steps, and we you know we set little goals every week, and you know we pick a profitable course topic, we run through outlines, we all check it against. I help people kind of review it all. I just want, I guess, their first, I, I feel like it's such an amazing time uh, and it's like the Wild West at the moment that all people need is a little bit of, like it might, they might not be earning a million bucks a year. Like I'm, I'm not going to promise that, but like I reckon loads of people can be earning a nice little side hustle, put some, you know, put some weekends away, some evenings away and make a course and it's not, it may be, you know, if you're only going to make one a year, then it's only going to earn a little bit, you know, but I kind of look at it like if you're going to, if you went to your boss and said, I want an extra 5K a year or 10K a year, how likely is that to happen? Whereas, you know, if you can put away a bit of time and, you know, a bit of effort, it's amazing how many, how much this adds up. Doesn't You don't have to go full-time like me, but I feel like there's lots of people with amazing stuff to share. And I feel like that, you know, it's just that time in our lives where people are going to look back and go, man, I wish I made a course. And it's hard now. And, I, and it should be, and it's it's hard because it is hard, and you should be excited that it's hard because when it's easy, it becomes saturated, and you know, like drop shipping in Amazon or Bitcoin. When it's ex, when it's when it's easy, when there's a course to go and do, and there's a million people doing it, and there's an automated system, that's when it's saturated, and there's no fun and no profit to be made. But at the moment, it's hard work, so it's a yeah, you should be excited. It's hard, but I'll help yeah, you through Instructor Bootcamp and. That's, that's that thing. That's beautiful. And how do they find out about the Instructor Bootcamp? So go to instructorhq.com. There's uh, okay. details on on the homepage. So basically, if you sign up, you get that as well as the hosting your course. If you've got a course and it's only on one place or you're not, it's not doing well, we'll host it for you. But if you're brand new, sign up to the Bootcamp and I'll help you through. Beautiful. We're going to take the conversation into decidedly more kind of rough waters, Ooh. a little bit uh, controversial. Okay. Okay, so... I have three things I want to ask you about. The first one is this, is that the dark side of on online content is piracy. Yep. Are you, are you dealing with that? How do you deal with it? How do you feel about it? What's your general attitude and philosophy? So I think like when the first, my first course I found on a torrent site, I was pretty horrified until I realized as a teenager, I was that person on the torrent site. Um, so I can't really... I guess, you know, when I had no money, that was the kind of way I did things. And I know from my previous self that the, it didn't matter if I knew the, you know, if there was an easier way or a cheaper way, 
I didn't have the money and I wouldn't have gone there. So I feel like there's always going to be that section of people and you can kick and scream about it or accept that there's just going to be a percentage of people that only want to steal music and videos and that's the way that they work. Um, and there is like, if there are like, I had a really big impactful thing. Like somebody stole my content, stuck it up on YouTube. You, there's ways of mm, tricking their algorithm. So it was duplicate, but it started outranking mm. my video. And Ooh. that video was my biggest bringer in of people to my site. Yeah. So like me and Taylor, like li- literally the day it got released, our, um, our views went in half. I've got good mm. graphs that just showing it that day it went up. They somehow YouTube's algorithm went, all right, this one's better. And we dropped down. So it's subscribers newer. dropped That's down. That's the thing. And mm-hmm. so when it's when it's something like that, then you put the effort in. Like um, Taylor does most of our copyright striking, and that's something we can help you with. Even if you are not going to sign up with us, reach out to me on social media, and I'll show you. Because there's an easy way to copyright strike stuff. Like if somebody's stolen something, there's easy channels to go fill out. And often, if it's a, a hosting platform that's like YouTube is easy one. Anything that's hosted in America, it just gets pulled down. It's really easy. Uh, it takes a bit of time. Um, but you're never going to stop the torrents. The the pirate bays are going to be around forever. Um, so mm. I don't know. That's my. How, how do you opinion. feel about it, though? I mean, there's the the idea that we don't blame the consumer, if you can call them that, because they they want to take stuff they can't afford stuff. Maybe when they graduate from that, they'll buy your real course. That that we we're all guilty of doing something like that. I'm no I'm no saint here. But what about the the, the person who's so? Here's I'm I'm going to add my take on this is that. They're so freaking lazy. Why don't you just write your own course? Why do you really literally have to steal? It's one thing to steal, but to steal other people's things and sell it. Because there are platforms where, where they do like an all you can eat and they just give you access to everybody's video content. I just like, how do you resolve that in your own mind as a human being to do that? So how do you feel about it? Yeah, I just, I, I really don't have any strong, it's weird. I don't have any strong feelings about it. Um, I just feel like that's just, that's part of, part of, culture and life there's the goodies there's the baddies and we need the baddies so that we know we're the goodies like without the baddies how would we know that we were doing the good stuff i don't so know we gotta I celebrate don't the baddies. I, <laughs> I like your attitude <laughs> i don't think i need to get punched in the face i know that i don't want to get punched in the face <laughs> yeah I, okay. I mean in my philosophy class yeah, okay. you know we, we resolve this issue but okay <laughs> all right I, I like your attitude about it you're just like move on sunshine rainbows and unicorns it's all good okay let's move on to the next thing there are people that have encouraged to go teach, to share what they know. They're, they're actually the gifted artists that we all like, well, one day I could be like that. And their general reaction is like, no, 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 I can't give it away. I don't want to create a thousand clones of myself. And so I think they don't realize the true value of their gift. And they feel that by becoming more popular to the point in which people will then do things like them, that it diminishes them. It, it's a the scarcity mindset. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, I must lose. And they're afraid to give their content away in, in some paid form because they don't want to make clones. What's your take on that? Yeah, it's a strange one. Like, well, not a strange one. I can see, I feel like it's easy in my world because I deliver courses that are not so much, you know, art. It's more tools, you know, like it's the tools to make art. But I feel like, uh, you know, I, I deal with. I talk with a lot of instructors who are illustrators and, you know, and or somebody has a really strong style. And that is a is a definitely a more because like the students will literally copy their work and then do something and have it in their portfolio. And because they've taught them so well, you can't tell the difference. And I guess that's where you've got to decide whether like you, you know it in yourself. Are you a person who wants, to, you know, are you the person who wants to help, you know, as in. I overhear somebody at a caf- coffee shop having a problem with their phone. I'm like, I reckon I could help. <laughs> you know, like I want to, <laughs> I want to jump in and do something and fix it for them because they're they're old and they're kind of fiddling with it. And you're like, it's all right, get over here. I'll just, you know, like that's in me. Whereas as a creative, I am, I like doing stuff, but I, but I, I'm real kind of. I guess I, I keep it in my own little sphere and I keep it in my bubble, and that's fine. So, I guess. I'm maybe not the right person to ask because I don't mm. have strong opinions because I don't have to deal with much of like people copying my work because it's, I don't know, I, they're copying my exercises, but I don't have a style. Nobody's going, oh, look, that's a Dan Scott. You know, it's, there's never that happening. <laughs> Whereas as a designer, you have a style. Like as a, like, I'm not saying I'm not a designer, but you know, 
to, if, once you're in that kind of senior world, you have a flow and a system and a style. Mm. And I guess I can see how you'd want to protect that. So if you want to be an educator, I guess you could do it with a slightly crappier style than your own. <laughs> keep, it, keep, keep, keep everybody one step behind. Yeah, don't give them the best, the latest, the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're like swinging the pendulum. On one side, you're like, oh, piracy, what can you do? I'm, I'm moving on. Yep. And then the other side's like, yeah, if you do have a distinct style, just give them like your crappy stuff. And <laughs> so here's my philosophy on this, okay? I, I have a very distinct point of view on this for sure. And you're the excellent, you're the perfect person to answer that because you're, you're kind of neutral about it. My feeling is this, is that if you think about chefs, celebrity chefs in particular, the only reason why they're special is because you know them. Because they're before these shows and the reality competitions, they were just like everybody else. They're just working people, blue collar, just cooks. And then what they do is they get known and they share how they do things. And it's kind of funny. Like there's a, a show called Diner Dives and Drive-Ins and Guy Fieri goes around and he goes to these dives and he talks to them about their sauces and how they prepare things. And they're like, hey, yeah, we had three secret ingredients we can't tell you. He puts his finger in it. It's like nutmeg, cinnamon, and whatever. And they're like, uh, you can tell. Like, there's no secret. So he's telling them, you know, you're a, you're a little person in a, you're a small pond. It's okay. Now, nobody knows who you are, but they know who he is. And so I think designers, creatives, and illustrators need to just get over this idea. You are hurting yourself more by keeping what you do a secret. And if you truly define yourself as a technique, then you really don't have much to offer the world. If you're that paranoid that somebody knows how to draw the, the, the cross-hatching the same way you do, well, you don't have much to work with. Because imagine if Picasso was like, you know, this is how I draw. This is, you know, this is, I'm not going to tell you what tool I use. And that's a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. but it's a special yeah. paper. I may or may not be using a brush. Right. And they're not paying you for the marks that you make. They're paying you for you, for the experience to know that it was from you. We all did it, right? At art school, if you're a designer and you went that route, we all copied. Well, that's how yes. we all got good, right? We were like, I like yeah. that style. And I'm not going to copy it, but I'm going to do something very close. And, you know, eventually you that's find your you style. Learn. And people do ask like me, they're like, well, how, you know, how do you magic the stuff out of the air? And I'm like, it doesn't come out of the air. It comes out of things that I've done in the past that have gone well versus things that have gone badly. So it doesn't come out of the air. It's just the way an interior designer can walk into our room is the same as the way a graphic designer can just make stuff up. You know, it's, it's something that, um, you know, you just get good at. And I guess we all learn from other people by looking, you know, and actually sometimes, you know, like well, appropriation was a, was a great class I had at uh, university, you know, we was literally wow. copying and then somehow changing it in a certain kind of way. But appropriation is what, you know, we take it and we move it on a little bit as designers. So I'm not sure if there's any sort of secret that any of us, you know, really has. There's no secret. And if there's a secret, you're just, you're defining yourself on a source. And when the source goes away, what, what happens to you when the world discovers how to do what you do? <laughs> yeah. Are you just in a wreck, a shallow version of yourself? Like the cat's out of the bag with YouTube anyway. Like there's so many ways, like if you were going to be a commercial designer, then you see stuff yeah. and then people will show you how to do it. Like backwards engineer it, right? People like me. Yeah. See, we all learn through imitation. That's how we learn language. That's how we learn to walk. That's how we learn to make stuff. And I don't even go and beat around the bush. Appropriation sounds like a fancy way of saying stealing. <laughs> Picasso would say that it's good artists borrow, great artists steal. And he's a great artist. So just steal, guys. Learn, share it, get over it profit from your ideas, become a superstar in the world of, of illustrators, designers, puppeteers, whatever it is, just share your stuff. There's, there's so much more good, but okay, I'm done with that. La last topic, last question for you. You're, you're a really nice guy. So I'm going <laughs> to, thank you. you. I'm you're a nice you guy to too. Say something different, you know, well, <laughs> this is debatable, but okay. You know, here's what, here's the question. What do your critics say about Dan Scott? My critics say, I, Especially with online training, I guess I try and I assume it's too easy. Like I make it feel too easy. And when it comes to software, that's fine because that's that's the whole part of it. Like, hey, this is super easy and I'm, it's going to be step by step where and you can learn, you know, how to mask a person in a little while. You know, it only takes right. a little amount of effort to learn how to mask somebody really well. And, mm -hmm. But in terms of making a course, it's not that easy. Like there is hard work. There's the dip. There's the imposter syndrome to deal with. But there's a lot more to it. And I'm like, okay, come make a course and it's super easy and make a million bucks. That would be uh, where I get hints from people. People aren't that hardcore. Maybe I'm, you know, 
they're really nice to me, but it's it's dugged in there sometimes of that, you know, I get the sense of it that I'm being too flippant with some things that are really hard that aren't hard for me now. So that'd be kind of, you know, it's not as easy as learning how to use Photoshop, but it is amazingly rewarding. And yeah, I maybe maybe try and make it feel too easy when it can be a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. Okay. So very- that's started a half started a course or I've got a course idea for the last three years. Uh, those mm-hmm. people know that it's hard because even getting started yeah. is hard. It's hard. Okay. You give people very little to be angry about. You really do. <laughs> so I'm going to just go there right now. What, you know, sometimes you make something and you think, how can anybody find this to be bad? And you're just trying to teach the world, right? You're not yeah. even saying that I'm the best artist, I'm the best teacher. You're just trying to help. It comes from a very genuine place. But I find that even then, the internet is full of people who have spite and hate in their heart. Trolls. They can watch one of your videos, the yeah. trolls, they come out. What's what's like a crazy comment a troll said on one of your videos, either on social media or on YouTube or something like that? Uh, one PG ones, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> yes, PG please. PG ones. Uh, like the accent normally is the biggest problem for people, um, and they'll they'll be they'll be quite mean about my accent. I speak fast. Uh, I'm a hairy dude. Uh, so Teen Wolf, <laughs> Chewbacca. Um, I'm hearing in all the wrong places. Like it's kind of growing out of my ears, but not out of my yeah. fringe. Like my fringe disappeared right. in my 20s. So, yeah, yeah. and that, that one cuts deep. I'm like, oh, Chewbacca, that's, that's low. <laughs> I prefer space beer. <laughs> okay, I don't know how else to end it, but I think that's a good place to end it's it. It's good. Yes. Daniel, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed co- uh, having a conversation with you and also for producing two amazing tutorials on our channel. If you guys haven't done that, go check it out on the Future Academy site. He did an awesome one on Illustrator. It's tracking really well. Last time I checked, it was already over 100,000 views. Yeah, Hopefully I'm cool. not lying about that. The Photoshop one, maybe there's just so much competition for Photoshop. I thought that would do trajectory? better than the Illustrator one. Me but- too. I-, I thought so too. Yep. But it- I say, you know what? I'm not in a rush. Give it time. It's going to grow. Our audience is going to grow. And let's go over all the ways that people do an InDesign one. You. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Come on, let's go the, where the, there's the, no competition. The design of Trinity. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. You're right. Okay. Where can people find you? How, how can they get more of you? Uh, for any sort of core stuff, if you're like, if you're a hardcore designer and you want to get better at Illustrator or Photoshop, check out bringyourownlaptop.com. Uh, if you are starting to be, you know, you're like, hey, I got this great idea being, you know, uh, make an online course. Uh, email me, uh, daniel at instructorhq.com or instructorhq.com on all the socials. Or if you want to lurk, go check out our YouTube channel for InstructorHQ. There's lots of good free stuff up there to get you started. Or if you're really hardcore, uh, join the boot camp, Instructor Boot Camp. But that's paid, so Instructor people might be keen. How much is that, by the way? Uh, $9.95 a month at the moment. Mm, very affordable. Dang, yeah. you're just like high value, man. Good job. Yeah. Well, I always feel great when I speak to somebody who shares a similar spirit and it's just, it's very reaffirming, reaffirming for me. You're an instructor. You get a lot of joy from teaching. I thought that was one of the things that people were going to say about you because they say that about me all the time. It's like, why are you teaching this? Why are you giving this away? There's an ulterior motive and I'm on to you, Chris. I'm on yeah, to you. Yeah, that is a, uh, like, I do that. That's a valid point in my head as well. I'm like, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm getting paid for the other stuff, but then... I'm kind of the instructor excuse stuff. Ah, it's inevitable. I like doing it. I don't know. What's your excuse? I just, I enjoy it. And it pays me. It's good to help people. Yep. It's good to help people. It yep. feels that, <laughs> that helping people, it's its own reward. Yeah. Like once you don't have to fight to, to pay for rent and food and, and, and clothing. To be honest, like it was easier to do. talk about this when it was, wasn't doing so well. It was easier to talk mm-hmm. about, you know, doing it for the love of it. I feel like it's harder mm-hmm. now that it's earning, you know, hundred K a month. Cause man, yeah. like when I hear people saying that, I'm like, yeah, you're doing it for that. I was doing it before that, but I find it harder for me to kind of stand up and say, yeah, I'm doing this and it's earning this little bit. I felt it was, I was prouder then. Cause then I could say I'm doing it because yeah. of it was paying me an income, but now it's paying me a stupid income. I feel like it's harder mm-hmm. to point that out. If anybody's keen on seeing what I'm earning from what place, cause they're like where to go. Check out instructorhq.com slash bishop. I share all my financials of where I earn yes. from all the different courses. You can go check that out as well if you want to see where it's coming from. 
Yes, Daniel literally shares how he makes money, and you can see it. He shared you can it with copy me. It. I'm like, what? He's giving me lots Who's of designs out there. You're like, I can make a course bit in that guy. Yes, you're welcome to try, and you'll find out it's a little bit more difficult <laughs> than you think. And building an audience is tough too. Yeah. My name is Daniel Scott, and you are listening to the future. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you're new to the future and want to know more about our educational mission, visit thefuture.com. You'll find way more podcast episodes, hundreds of YouTube videos, and a growing collection of online courses and tools covering design and business. Oh, and we spell the future with no E. The Future Podcast is hosted by Christo and produced by me, Greg Gunn. This episode was edited and mixed by Stuart Schuster with intro music by Adam Sanborn. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by giving us a rating and a comment on iTunes. It's a big help in getting the future message out there, and it makes us feel good, too. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you.